You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. The Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network is brought to you by Moultrie Mobile. Transform the way you hunt with the all-new base cellular trail camera connected by the Moultrie Mobile app. Moultrie Mobile's industry-best app gives you complete control over your camera settings, up-to-the-minute updates from the field, and other interactive scouting tools on your smartphone or computer. Features like weather forecast, advanced species recognition, interactive maps, and a whole lot more. For more information and to make your purchase, visit www.moultriemobile.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. All right, guys, welcome to today's show. And joining me on the show today, I've got a fellow Wisconsinite. His name is Andrew Burnt. And Andrew and I, man, we're going to talk about all kinds of good stuff, including some stories from a giant buck that he killed. And I just like reminiscing about hunting my home state. I mean, when I when you grow up somewhere, when you have experiences in the outdoors hunting there, there's something about either talking about it or actually going back there that that you can't replace anywhere else. I mean, I might not shoot the most animals. I might not catch the biggest fish. I might not see the prettiest scenery, but going back to a place that I grew up and have so many memories of, I, I love it. And I'm super excited about this episode. So we're going to hear a lot from Andrew and hear some stories about the great state of Wisconsin. Like he was doing things that were just badass. That was one of the coolest moments of my life. I was really scared, but knowing that Dan had the gun, I did have the rifle, like, we would be okay. All right, guys, welcome to today's show. And on the show with me today, I've got Andrew Burnt. And Andrew is from Oak Tree Dreams. He's actually from Wisconsin, but he's got a, a page called Oak Tree Dreams. Lots of cool content on there. And we just connected online and uh, we've been chatting back and forth for a little bit but i'm super pumped to have another person from wisconsin this should be every time i have someone from the north i feel like there's so much more content to talk about so thanks for being on the show man yeah no problem dude i really appreciate it like this is this is awesome i'm not gonna lie yeah i it's been it's been a long time coming but uh why don't you start out just by sharing with the listeners a little bit about yourself um what you're doing now and kind of what you're into as far as outdoor activities. All right. Um, so I'm Andrew Burnt. I'm from Wisconsin, like Dan said, uh, central Wisconsin part. Uh, I am passionate about the outdoors, like just addicted to it. Like, and I mean, I hunt everything, turkey, deer, ducks, squirrel, coyote, going to try crow this year and pretty much anything you think to hunt. I, I do except for bear, because I just haven't really got into that, I guess. Um, I love to fish when it's summer and winter, ice fishing, because that's what you do in Wisconsin in winter is ice fish and coyote hunt. So, uh, and yeah, 
then just kind of it sounds like just a little bit of everything yeah it, it it's really pretty much everything i mean you can find me outdoors no matter what yeah. i i even work in a lumber yard as a did a boom truck driver oh so dang. i mean i'm really outdoors all day because i can't take like a desk job type thing like it, it would really bother me and yeah i you know and when i'm not doing all that i'm just at home with the family and whatnot just having fun i mean doesn't get much better really i mean i'm kind of living the life right now yeah what uh I, I know you just got a dog you had mentioned that to me before we started recording what kind of dog did you get uh, i got a uh lab uh his name's fletcher nice are you um what are you training him for are you going to be training him for like waterfowl for shed hunting for blood tracking or kind of a combination more for the duck side but i kind of do want him for shed hunting too and uh i mean i just kind of let him have a couple old sheds i found you know and whatnot and then i even threw it all back one day and he found it within seconds so i mean maybe that's promising yeah but, i mean there's anything left on the base of the antler you know from the deer fletcher and uh so i mean he, it must just be you know he found it kind of thing out of luck but i kind of want to think you know it's like hey you know he knows what he's doing it's but just in his we'll, dna we'll yeah i mean labs you know it's it's kind of it, hunting is in their dna i mean that's that's what they do yeah i mean so that that would be really cool if he got really good at retrieving ducks and whatnot and training but it's it'll take a bit yeah so you you like to do basically everything outdoors do you have something that stands out above everything else like a certain type of hunt that you like to do um before duck hunting, I mean, I guess even now, it, it turkey hunting is like my passion. There's something about, you know, crisp spring morning, you know, there's, you can see your breath and gobblers on roost just going nuts. And especially when they get to like, you get that chance where they're at like 20 yards on a gobble and you could just feel it in your chest and just through your bones and everything. Like, oh man, it, there, nothing beats that to me, honestly. I mean, I'll probably hunt stuff later on, you know, in life, go on trips and whatnot that, you know probably might top it but turkey hunt i mean it's just for a bird and how dumb they look when it's not turkey season i mean they're they're a pretty incredible bird i mean they're they're smart as heck when it's season i mean yeah i i trash talk turkey hunting all the time because i'm just like dude <laughs> i am not the guy that is super pumped up about it but the more i talk about it the more I find myself looking forward to it. Like even now Turkey season's just around the corner and I can't yeah. wait. I'm so pumped and I know I'm going to get out there and I'm probably going to do a ton of stuff wrong. In fact, um, we posted this super stupid video on TikTok because that's all I do is make dumb yeah, videos. I see, with I hunting. See that one. Yeah. And some guy hops on and he's like, all I needed to do was see your Turkey fan to know that you were a crappy hunter. Or, uh, oh. I think he said, I said, I think he said, all I needed to do is see the turkey reaping decoy to know that you're a crappy turkey hunter. And I was just wow. like, all right, man, I kind of went back and forth with him because I like to like mess with those dudes <laughs> and yeah. just kind of stick it back to them. But I'm like, man, who cares how you get it? I mean, I do want to get one the traditional way. I think that would be so cool. But at the same time, 
if it works, it works. I was talking to one of my buddies that was waterfowl hunting with me today. And I, I told him about the little interaction online. And he's like, dude, I talked to this one guy and he is like national champion caller. He got whatever the award is for like being the best caller <laughs> in the country. Yeah, And yeah, he's yeah. like, you want to know my favorite way to hunt turkeys with a fan? like spot and yeah. stock, like you go after them. And I'm like, okay, sweet. So I'm not the only one. This guy's like a well, well-rounded, like world renowned Turkey hunter. And that's one of his favorite ways to do it. So I didn't feel too bad. I just kind of wrote the other guy off and said, screw you, man, take your negativity somewhere else. So yeah, do you, you know, and go ahead. No, I, you're good. Keep, do you, um, like when you turkey hunt, what kind of setup do you, do you use? Because I like to find out from people who love turkey love hunting turkey. what the best route or what their favorite like method is for setting up turkeys um, in a spread or how many decoys you use. Um, so really, it it depends, I guess, because we hunt bluff. Like that's where our property is. It's bluff country, so it's kind of. I've noticed it's a little bit more difficult than the public land we hunt that's flat because they kind of just spread out like bluff if they have certain places they want and they won't do what you want them to do. But pretty much right in the morning, if we didn't roost any night before, we'll go out, you know, before light, get an owl hoot or my peacock locator call and we'll, you know, try and locate one. And it, it's kind of, I love all the different types of trying to hunt them, like, you know, between setting up decoys running gun spot and stock kind of thing you know and i really like the satisfaction of setting up decoys and calling them in you know they work them and whatnot but in reality a lot of our stuff because they kind of pop out of nowhere with the bluff and the train out there that and they'll sneak up on you too out there it's crazy compared to flatland i've noticed but uh i i kind of like the running gun because it's like your adrenaline's just on high and you're like going the whole time. And I mean, it's kind of like reaping. I mean, you're trying to get as close as possible, but yet you're still calling them. We've, I haven't reaped a turkey before. I really want to, but every time I do it, it's like the turkey sees the fan and he's like, oh, bro, I don't need you. I got, you know, I can go over here and I know where some hens are, you know, and that's, that's ultimately what they want, you know? Yeah. So, but like usually in a decoy spread, we just, last year, the year before, we bought a bunch of avian x turkey decoys kind of spent a little much on them but <laughs> <laughs> but uh usually we have either we we also now that i'm talking about the decoys we have uh i don't know if you know what a funky chicken is it's like yeah is that the look. is that like the real skinny one yeah it's it's looks dumb as heck but that thing like we swore by it for so long like it it was something about it that the turkeys liked and, you know, like even the Toms, I mean, Jake's, they were a little wary in the beginning because they're like, you know, what the heck? But the Toms, they see it and they're like, you know, I'm going to go beat the crap out of this turkey right now. Like, yeah. It's just crazy how that happened. But um, right now we've really just been running like a half strut Jake decoy with like usually we have three hen decoys, but we kind of run it with two depending. So um, what kind of what kind of decoy setup are you using? Is it like a Tom, a Hen, a Jake, or kind of a combination of all of them? Uh, we always we've always tried using like a full strut decoy, but the Toms and I just seem really wary about it and whatnot. I 
a lot of the birds, you know, you turkey hunt that are very vocal are like two and a half year olds and whatnot, or two year olds. I mean, they're not, you know, they're, they're finally get to join in on all the fun and whatnot. Yeah. So usually they shouldn't be wary, but for some reason they are around us. But, and normally we run like uh, a half strut Jake decoy. We used to run with a, the funky chicken. Um, and you said you heard about that. Yeah. That's that like, kind of decoy. yeah, that's like the real skinny one. It doesn't even look like a turkey really. Yeah. It looks really just just weird it's it, like the it rubber chickens sense. like yeah <laughs> that's what it reminded yeah, me of like those fake yeah. rubber chicken things that's literally what it looks like and you know there's something about it like the jakes i've noticed like they're they'll look at it and whatnot but they're not like real interested i guess but those toms man and once i see it they walk on and they just come right in and we i think we have old old film like before we even thought about oak tree dreams like like it's it, it's cool because like you see them come out, you know, you're calling to them, whatnot. They can't see you. Cause like we hunt bluff country. So like, I mean, we're up, we'll be up on like top of this cornfield that, I mean, it's just like kind of a honey hole promised land kind of area that we go to and they'll come up and, you know, they're gobbling their heads off. But once they see it, their whole demeanor changes, their head changes colors and goes straight to straight to that decoy. And it's like, how, like, it don't make sense. Cause like, now we're running, like I said, that like a half strut Jake decoy by Avian X. And I mean, they're, they look so realistic. Yeah. And they, I've, I love the decoys, but there's something about that funky chicken that the rest don't compare to because I've, it's not, they don't like lock on and just come straight in usually for us. I mean, they'll see it, you know, work their way in, you know, casually gobbling their head off. But, you know, and it's like, you know, like I said, it don't, it don't make sense. It looked like you said, it looks like a rubber chicken. So I don't, I don't understand the whole concept that the turkeys don't understand that it looks worse than anything I've really seen, but it, it works. Yeah. So, do, and, I mean, do they come in and just like beat the crap out of it? Oh yeah. That that's exactly what happens. And it's just, it's crazy how they did it with that. And I mean, they'll do it, you know, with the half strut Jake, but it has, usually it has to be like, right in the beginning of the season, like you season or first season, but lately in Wisconsin, cause you know, the DNR just love messing up seasons. I, at least I say <laughs> they mess up the seasons because last year, Turkey season was so late. That first season was really like, I think first season was second season. So everything was behind. Yeah. And yeah. it, it kind of sucks because I, I don't know how the turkeys are down there in uh, Missouri. Right. Yep. Yeah. Down there. But like, in Wisconsin, it's like right when February hits, March, the beginning of March, really, they start just hammering off, and it's like a switch just clicks in, and they're they're ready, yeah. You know? And you know they don't start breeding or nothing then, but they're just they want to play the game, you know. And so it, and like this year, it's it's another late season, and it's like somebody I'm I'm not mentioning names, but it was it was probably me that. <laughs> didn't apply for the turkey tag because he left it in his cart when he was talking to his brother. Oh, no. So I got to just get a leftover tag, but Jarrett and Zach made sure they got tags. So I guess that's, that's cool. But yeah, yeah, I kind of dropped the ball there. Yeah. It's, uh, it's crazy to me that you guys have to apply for tags up there because there's yeah. such a high population of turkeys. Like I didn't grow up turkey hunting up there, but I remember we'd, we'd be driving down the road, like not far from our house and we'd see 60 turkeys out in the field. And then to find out yeah. later on, I mean, after I moved down here, hearing my cousin inviting me up, he's like, dude, come hunt. 
He's like, you have to apply. And I even talked to him the other night. And I was like, dude, when do I need to apply by? And he's like, oh, it's already passed. Like, yeah. I'm like, dude, you should, we should have had this conversation like the week of applications. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's, it's just weird to me that you have to apply for turkey tags up there. Yeah. Like you said, there's a crap ton. Like it don't, it don't make sense on why we have to. And like I said, I, there's some things that DNR do that just don't make sense here in Wisconsin, but you just abide by it and do what you got to do to be able to go hunt these things. I mean, that's just kind of what you got to do. I feel like that's the ever, ever present struggle is between hunters and the conservation agencies, because like as hunters, we all think like, no dude, I would do it this way. But yeah. I mean, you have to think a lot of the conservation people, I mean, they are made up of hunters and the cool thing they yep. do down here is they'll hold like open forums or like town hall meetings kind of, and oh, they'll yeah, get yeah. together and they'll talk about season dates and everybody can vote on it. And they take all the feedback that they get and try to present a new plan as far as season dates or splits in seasons or anything like that. Um, and so part of me is like, all right, we've got some faith in, but Wisconsin, I've heard so many stories and I know they know what they're doing, but there's also, I mean, they're definitely not perfect. And so it's, it's definitely frustrating when, especially in your area, like everywhere else in the state might be awesome because of the change. (laughs) But if your area sucks, it's just like, these are the worst people. What are they doing? They're messing up. Yeah. See, and that, that's, that's the thing people, you know, um, we, we would go out and feed the chickens at our place and, these roosters would just get so aggressive. And one time we were out there feeding them popcorn and my, my son was out there. Well, when a chicken would fly over the fence, like all the roosters would just attack it. I mean, over and over and over. And so then they would turn and just attack anything that moved. Well, my kids would be out there running around playing, chasing (laughs) pigs or whatever. And these, these chickens or these roosters would come after them. And so, like, my kids would come up freaking out like this chicken's trying to attack me. Well, I would put my boot out in front of me, and they would just jump up and just spur the bottom of my boot over and over. And so we just gave them, like, the double deuce treatment if they got real bad, you know. Yeah. we just grab it and drop it. But uh, I would take a cane pole, and i just whack them and, like, to oh. get them back. And they're just so dumb. Like, you could whack them in the head, and they keep coming, and you do it again. Yeah. And after, like, three or four hard ones where, like, you might roll it over, they'd be like, okay, never mind. I don't want any of that. But I I can only imagine a bird that's, like, 25 pounds coming in and yeah. doing that. Like, that would that could really mess you up. Yeah, they could. And, you know, it's turkeys have such a small brain, but just the instinct to survive and the fact that, they outsmart a hunter that, you know, puts all his time and money into this stuff. Oh yeah. It's like, it doesn't, it doesn't make sense. Cause then, you know, when it's, it's out of season, they'll walk right up to your house and peck at your damn patio door, you know, <laughs> yep. stuff like that. It's like, okay, you know, this doesn't make any sense, but it's like deer hunting, you know, they'll walk right up into your yard, eat, you could walk out there. They don't care what season comes. They're gone. Yep. They don't, they don't, yep. they don't deal with you. They know, man, they've got like that internal clock every year at the <laughs> same time. They're just <laughs> exactly. like, all right, time to hide. Time to run from yep. everything that moves or any wind change. Um, yeah, it's crazy. Dude, you mentioned you just kind of like passed over. You shot a 13-point buck this year. Tell me about yeah. that. So I'll just kind of start how the day went, you know, in the beginning. Uh, no, I didn't think I was going to shoot a buck that big because this year me and my brother were kind of like, you know, we're going to shoot whatever makes us happy because – 
you know, it, that's kind of what we believe in, you know, I mean, yeah, we want a big buck, but in the same sense, we, you know, I eat, we, my family eats the venison like religiously, like we don't even get meat anymore from the store yeah. except for chickens. Cause we can't have chickens in town. Sadly, I live in town yet. So that, that's a bummer, but yeah. Um, so I kind of go for meat too, but you know, I'm not gonna, I, I don't take, you know, like the smallest ones usually. I mean, it, it happens, you know, I get kind of trigger happy or, you know, it, you know, just get, if the oh, yeah. starts pumping, man, I just, it's hard to pass up some of them. Absolutely. And so that morning, uh, is October 29th, high winds. I mean, Wisconsin had high winds all through deer season. It felt like, and it woke up, it was like 30 mile an hour winds. I'm like, dude. And this is the first set of the year too. Cause I was like duck hunting every day I could when I had off. So like I put deer hunt on the back burner cause I was weighing more towards the rut. And I was like, you know, we, we ain't going to see anything really. Like we might see our, the normal does that come through and whatnot, but I'm like, we, we ain't going to see any of the ones we really want to go after or, you know, any buck for that matter. And my brother that morning went out i didn't i wanted i just chose to sleep in because i just got done working like i think it was like six or seven days in a row so i was like you know i just i just kind of decided to sleep because i knew it was gonna be high winds and he goes checks the trail cam and he sends me a picture right well this picture isn't a normal picture like it's a picture of a 22 point buck and i mean it's just massive right right and that's what i did i was like you know i'm freaking out i called him up right away he didn't answer and like I was like, dude, like you got to answer your phone. Like talk, you know? Yeah. You can't throw that out there and then not answer. And it's huge. And, you know, looking at the picture, I didn't look at anything else, but the deer, like, you know, cause you see the antlers and you're like, you know, goo goo eyes over it. Like it's, you don't see anything like that usually. And, you know, I'm like, dude, this is the biggest buck we ever got. Dude, I can't wait to go out. Let's leave now. You know? And I was like, already telling the wife, you know, I'm sorry, we're going, I'm going earlier. Like this, uh, you know, I'm just, I'm getting ready and going. And my brother finally calls me and he goes, dude, you see that buck? I was like, yeah, I've been only calling you like 10 times, you know, (laughs) trying to get a hold of you, like to talk about where this is, you know, which exact camera you checked at that point, you know? And he's like, yeah, it's, I can't believe it either. He's like, but sucks that that buck's in Ohio. I was like, what the hell are you talking about? He goes, oh, I just grabbed it offline, man. So you come out hunting. Oh my gosh. Cause he heard like, Cause I left voice message, voicemail messages every time I called him. Yeah. I'm just you know going nuts. And he's like, I kind of felt bad, you know? And I was like, and I looked at the picture and the background doesn't even, isn't even close to what our property looks like in a lot where we have cameras. So it's like, dude, you know, like you gotta be kidding me. You know? And I was super down at that point. Cause our trail cams kind of been slow lately where we were going to go, you know? And when I seen that, I'm like, dude, you know, like when that changes the whole game, but yeah. it wasn't on our property. So you know, I go out at the normal time. We, I got to the woods at like one, met my brother there and we were going to sit a stand, uh, a double tree stand, you know, where you both can sit in it. Yep. And we sat the same exact stand on the same day. I think it was 11 years to the date when he shot his first buck with me out of the same tree. And so we got out there, you know, all, you know, I felt good because, I mean, there's scrapes everywhere. I mean, they've been just tearing up this one side of the bluff, and it's kind of – the farmer planted uh, just cover crop in the area. It was a lot of uh, clover. Okay. And, I mean, the deer were loving it. I mean, they there was hardly anything left. But 
and we never checked that trail cam. And I don't know why my brother didn't grab that chip that day because we would have known about the buck I shot. But, you know, we, we set up, we put out some more, uh, you know, mock scrape stuff, you know, just keep it active and whatnot. And we get up in the tree and I'm like, I'm like jittery, you know, it's my first hunt of the year. My brother's already been hunting like nine days, seen a few deer, but it's not like, you know, he didn't have the opportunity at any of them. Yeah. What, what time of year was this? Uh, October. Okay. Yeah. October 29th. And he, we get up in the tree stand, you know, and like for our Instagram platform, we were, you know, taking pictures and whatnot, you know, trying to get, you know, cool shots of stuff. And we're just sitting there and that's when, we started, we got three trail cam picks of a doe. We didn't know it was a doe in the beginning, but busting through the camera, just flying right by it. And we're like, Oh, you know, there's probably a buck chasing her. You know, it's probably, it's probably something, something good behind her. You know, and here's another doe that comes behind her. And I'm like, well, that sucks. And then I get another notification, another doe. I'm like, well, why was, why was that doe like booking out of there? Like, come on. I mean, you know, yeah. like as a hunter, you're like, Oh, there's, <laughs> there's a buck chasing her. It's that time of year. Yep. And you know, we were sat there longer and, you know, we kept, you know, when you're in the tree and you kind of like, I wouldn't say paranoid, but you get that, you hear something and you immediately look yep. and half the time it's just dang squirrel anyways. <laughs> yep. And sat there all that afternoon. So like, I think it got dark around six, seven. I, I can't remember exactly. And it got down to like the last 15 minutes. I pulled out my phone. I was going to message the wife, you know, she just worked the night before. So shout out to my wife. She, that was awesome. She, uh, cause she works nights. So, uh, she didn't have any sleep when I went out on that day, <laughs> but I texted her and, you know, I was like, I was, or I didn't text her. I was going to say, I just got like three words in the sentence. And I was like, going to ask her if she wanted me to pick up something for supper and cyber cooking, you know, just make it super easy. You know, I'm going to be gone the next day, you know, I'll go home, you know, do dishes and stuff and whatever. Well, no more did I get those three words into the text message. My brother looks over my shoulder behind us. And he's like, Drew, big buck. And I'm like, no, there's not. Like, and I didn't even look in the beginning because it, you know, he's after that trail campaign, you know, I didn't. <laughs> you can't trust him at all. You know, and after not seeing anything, I, you know, you just don't think. Well, he, he goes, Drew get the heck up now, dude. There is a giant, you could hear it in his voice. And I'm like, okay. You know, and I look and all you see is just antler, like antlers, just, it, it was magnificent. It's like something you see. I'm like, I don't know, like the big name hunting shows, like it was crazy. And at that point he was, he was at 40 yards when we first, or when I first saw him, my brother seen him just crest over the little hill. Cause there's like a knoll over to our right or our left where we were sitting. And a lot of them kind of come over that and they'll split off to either go to the field or go up the bluff side. And so I, you know, start slowly st standing up, but I'm like, dude, this buck's going to catch me. Cause this tree stand is really made for the deer to be in front of you and not to come from behind <laughs> you. And I don't know why we did it that way, but it's, it's just such a good location. It's the only tree that could house that double tree stand. Yeah. And I mean, we could put like a climber or, you know, hang on in there, I guess, but yeah, I, I don't know. And <laughs> so I stood up and I turned around and I tried to pull back and I, I couldn't right away, you know, like adrenaline's gone, but I'm like, you know, it was, I don't know. It was like, I couldn't function. And my brother, he's like digging in my pocket to get the camera out, you know, cause to videotape the hunt, we already put it away and whatnot, you know? And I'm like, dude, just stop. But you know, like, and we're 
I probably talked a little louder than I should have, but it was so windy. Like I said, 30 miles an hour. I mean, you could get away with some. Yeah. But I was like, dude, just leave it. We don't, we don't need the camera. And so he, he stops and he's like watching it. And he told me after the hunt, he's like, dude, I, I thought you were never going to shoot. Like, this is ridiculous. So I got the camera out or he was trying to get the camera out and whatnot. And, uh, you know, I told him to leave it be 30 mile an hour winds. You can get away with some of the conversation. And so finally I draw back and I, he was at a, in this spot that he, I stopped him in. I ranged probably like 10 or 15 times throughout the day. Cause I'm like, this is where a deer is going to be. This is where a shot's going to take place. And it was weird how it worked out too. Yeah. It's like, there was a down tree and it's opened up for a shooting window. Fletcher. And so I was drawn back. I went to stop him and I go, Matt. And when I pulled back, I, you know, was already on the deer. I was ready to go. And I, you know, gave him the old, nah, he stopped in his, and I was in awe at that moment. Like when he turned, I knew he was big, but like, it was just, you know, it was, it was huge. And I didn't release the arrow. I had my finger, you know, on, on my release about ready to do it. And I just, I told myself, I was like, dude, take that breath. Don't mess this up, man. Like this is your once in a lifetime buck really right now. Like don't mess it up. Cause I've messed up on a few bucks that were about that caliber, but maybe not the same. And finally I released the arrow and it, it smacked him so hard. And immediately once I seen where it hit and it went right through the boiler room and I shoot rages. So like, yeah, I, I felt very confident. I've never had rage tripan when I switched to those. I, I haven't had an issue with them. Yeah. And I immediately turn around and like my bow with the way I have it set up right now, I have a Matthews triax. Yep. And the guy that set it up says, you know, when I first started hunting, I had a wrist strap and whatnot, you know, so the confidence so you don't drop your bow. Yeah. Well, I almost did drop my bow because of this. <laughs> it, like I let go of the bow and then I grabbed it again by the string. I was like, Oh dude, that was close. But then I started punching my brother's shoulder, like freaking out, like, and he goes, why are you hitting me? I'm like, dude, I don't know. And I'm just like spazzing out in the tree. And he's, <laughs> he's like shaking worse than I was. But I mean, I was so focused and concentrated at that time. I didn't know what was going on besides I have to do this. Yep. And so like right after that, I called the wife. She's always the first one I'll call you usually unless she's sleeping because of work. So yeah, because she gets kind of mad if I wake her up, <laughs> but I call her up. I'm like, dude, I just, I just shot a giant. She goes, no, you didn't. She goes, when you coming home, like it's, it's almost, it's almost dark. And we literally had 10 minutes of shooting light from when I released that arrow left. Like it happened in 15 minutes or five minutes span. Yeah. But the last 15 minutes of light that we could shoot. And I was like, no, seriously, I, I don't know what I shot. And I thought it was a buck we call big Tex, who is another really nice buck, but it, it didn't compare to this one really this is like a mondo buck like and it's like you know i was like oh i think i shot big text like this you know this is awesome first of the year you know freaking out talking to her she goes oh that's awesome you know congrats and, you know like got all excited and that you know me and my brother climb out of the tree and i told him i was like you know before light gets gone or you know goes i'm gonna go check and see if i can't see the arrow over there quick and just look at blood you know i was like i know it's a good shot but because he went back over the knoll he came from and so I went over there looking for the arrow and I could not find the arrow. And I'm like, dude, is it stuck in him? Like when I shot, it looked like it went right through. It sounded like it went through. 
Yeah. And so we found the blood and it's just spraying everywhere. And I'm like, at that point, I was like, dude, this is, we're done. Like we got this buck, man. Like our, my season's done. Sorry about yours, but I'm done. Yeah. It's kind of karma for that buck you showed me on trail cam. Like, <laughs> exactly. And so we start tracking it and we find the arrow on the way and it's just covered in blood. And it's like, dude, this, we did it. Like, this is finally, I didn't mess anything up. Like, like we did this and we start tracking him, and he's like, he was in a straight line kind of going up the knoll. Cause when he went over the knoll, I'm like, I was a little worried, but it wasn't like him climbing a bluff. It was, you know, it wasn't that big. Yeah. And once we were starting to go towards the top, the blood kind of got droppy and it might've just been cause we had crappy light. And I was, I kind of got worried cause I had that happen once with a buck and it was a big buck. And he ended, I ended up seeing that I shot him in the shoulder in the video later on and stuff. So oh, that kind of sucked, but and I got really worried, you know, kind of got that sick feeling like, dude, we're going to have to wait till the morning. We have coyotes. They're going to eat him up tonight. Like, you know, I was, cause I wanted to meet, we were out of meat. Yeah. And so we kept tracking and the wind was coming right in our face where we were walking towards. And I caught a whiff of, you know, like tarsal gland of a buck. I'm like, dude, he's around here. And I started freaking out. My brother goes, dude, you don't even know that. Like, like, you don't know that. Don't, I was like, can't you smell it? Like I can distinctly smell a tarsal gland right now. The the peef on their tarsal gland. And he's like, you know, I guess I kind of do. And I looked to my left, no more. Did we both, I finally get him on board that we smell it. Yeah. <clears throat> and I see the white belly. And I'm like, dude. And I stopped for a minute. I'm like, you think he's dead though? Like, you know, bucks when they hit, you know, that time of year, you know, they got that adrenaline and just oh, yeah. all that going. And I was like, cause it was only like, we only waited maybe 20 minutes to go track him because I felt really confident. Yeah. And so we started walking up and being dark in our crappy uh, light we had. Um, I thought I'd seen him move once and I like jumped back and my brother goes, dude, he's dead. He hasn't moved this whole time. And I'm like, oh, well, okay. I just kind of made a fool of myself here. Like, <laughs> and I go up and I see his antlers and like, my brother's like, dude, that that's pretty big. I was like, well, yeah, but, you know, and I just, I didn't want to, like, pump myself up in case, like, he had something broke, you know, a couple times and stuff, even though, he, you know, he can't down a buck of that caliber oh, yeah. shot. And I go, I finally grab a hold of him, and I lift his head up, and I just, we were in awe. Like, it, he had, it wasn't as wide of a spread as we thought. It was a 19 and three-quarter spread. Jeez. Some, yeah, 19 three-quarter spread. Uh his G2s were the one that wasn't split because he had a split G2, actually technically a double split because on his G2 side, it was it was split. And then off that split, it was split again up here, but it technically didn't count because, you yeah. know, the inch or whatever. And it, it he was just massive. Like we can't – I can't even believe I shot a buck of that caliber. Like it was – it feels like a dream yet until I get him back from the taxidermist. So once he's on my wall again, it, it, it's going to be pretty, pretty surreal then. But it's like, where are we hunting moss? Cause we hunt in moss an area and you know, we see big bucks, but like to get a buck this caliber, really, it's like, you know, it's just, you just can't believe it. Yeah. And two days after that, my buddy Jarrett texts me on Halloween day saying, yeah, I, I shot one. I was like, oh, cool. And then he called, video calls me, and he shot another just really dandy buck. And I'm like, 
And I look at my brother and I was like, why can't you do this? Like, <laughs> how can't you shoot a ball, man? You're but, always cocky after you have one down. Yeah, yeah. Usually I'm the one that doesn't get one usually. I usually help my brother as best I can, you know, to put him in the best spot and I'll film him a lot. Yeah. So I kind of sacrifice a lot, but, you know, he's he's my younger brother and I, I help him. Out, you know? Yeah. But, Dang, that's awesome, man. All right, guys, I need to take a quick second to tell you about a product that I've been using for quite a while now. It's called Bull Elk Beard Oil. If you've spent any amount of time in the outdoors, whether it's on the mountain, in the marsh, or in the woods, you've felt the effects of the wind, the sun, and the cold on your face. What this product does, it helps you look better, feel more confident, and it helps your beard keep its moisture. Not to mention, it smells great, so now my wife can't complain as much after I come home from a long week of elk hunting. Now I need to tell you, I've gotten to know Brian the founder over the past couple months, and he is an awesome guy. Brian made sure that all of these oils are made out of clean products right here in the USA. He also loves to give back to the outdoor community, whether that's through fundraisers for public land acquisitions, or even helping donate money to cover the surgery cost of duck dogs. He's an amazing guy, and he makes an amazing product. So go check out bullelkbeardoil.com, and be sure to check out the subscription options so that you don't have to run out of your favorite facial hair product. Plus, you can use the code NOMADIC and get 20% off your order. I uh, I always have a hard time connecting with early season bucks, I feel like. Like, I'll see them. Yeah. I'll see them here and there. I'll get them on trail camera. But I'm gonna. I think I'm gonna change up a lot of stuff this year. I'm gonna look at more hunting property, see if I can't find some other spots to go. And um, I mean, there's a ton of spots that I have access to that I've just been too lazy about, and I don't know why because <laughs> they're like great spots. Um, but I'm gonna switch. I think I'm gonna switch a hundred percent to a saddle system this year. I re- oh, really? I've been talking about doing it, and there's the ease of just climbing up into your stand that you have pre-hung. But I've noticed yeah. the bucks where I'm at, they they'll they'll shift and they like there's an open gate into the sanctuary. I mean, like it's eight feet wide and they can just walk right through. But they don't use it anymore. They'll hop the fence. And so I'll oh, see really? like just a beat down path. I mean, only 30, 40 yards from that gate, and they'll be jumping over the fence there, and I'll move a trail camera over there and get them on it for quite a while. And then just randomly they'll bump down another hundred yards and start crossing the fence there. And I'm like, dude, I don't know. I can't figure out why they're doing it, but I hate the idea of having to take down my stand, move it over, put it up somewhere else. And I would rather just get really used to climbing up a tree with a, with a saddle and um, yeah, just get efficient with that. So that if I do see more deer movement at a different crossing point, I can do that. And it's way easier to go hunt new property if you have a saddle set up and you can just climb oh, any yeah. tree. Um, we've tried the whole climber deal. <laughs> Man, public land climber hunts. I've done one of them, and I'll never do it again. Like It took me 45 minutes to an hour just to find the right tree, and even yep. then I get up there, and I was using my buddy's super crappy climber. I don't even know what it is, but he leaves it out <laughs> like at the base of his tree all year long, and I get up there, and I almost lost the platform on it. Like, I get up Ooh, in the stand, yeah. and all of a sudden, it just, like, shifts down as I'm, like, putting weight on the on the arm rail. And uh, my buddy's down below me, luckily. So, like, if anything did happen, he could get in his yeah. climber and come up. But, oh, my gosh, man, that was unnerving for sure. 
And so, yeah, I'm just done with climbers. I'm going to get a saddle system <laughs> yeah. and hopefully switch you, a bunch of stuff up this year. So you got that buck. Did you ever get it measured? Uh, the taxidermist was going to measure it. I kind of did my own measurement thing, but I ain't the whole, I ain't really good at it kind of thing. Yeah. Like I measured the main beam lengths and whatnot. The main, main beam lengths were 25 and a half. So, I mean, they're, they're pretty Jeez, long. Main yeah. Beams. And, uh, the G2 on the one side that wasn't split was 11 and a half. And then I think it was 10 and a half for G3s. And the score that I came up with was 161. Jeez, but the man. taxidermist said that I probably messed something up because he thinks it's a higher 160 buck. But because he's, you know, taxidermists, they do it all the time. And oh, yeah. On. They, they kind of have an eye for it. And me, I like the buck behind me here, I, I, he's, he was a 140 buck. So yeah. it's not. You know, and that's that's cool, but you know, it's I don't really measure them a lot because we don't have that big caliber buck usually that will just walk right in front of us and present us the shot all the time. Yeah, I mean, gun season is different, but I usually miss because I for some reason I really suck at gun hunting, even though it <laughs> should be easier. But yeah, you know, and I, I can't wait for the official measurement from him. Technically, it's not you know, Pope or yeah, the Pope and Young official type thing, but yeah. With him scoring, it'll be more official than what I can actually do. Yeah. I mean, I can, you know, amateur measurement type of stuff. Yeah, I don't – I like, I've I've come to not really care a whole lot about score. It's just cool to hear because then it gives, like, a better picture of just how big it is um, if yeah. you're familiar with it. But they make those, like, pen wheel things now yeah, that I've you can seen just that. I kind of wanted to get that right after I shot this one. I was like – I told the wife, I'm like, I think I'm going to get this. She goes – well, you said the taxidermist was going to do it. I was like, yeah, but I'll know sooner. Like, Oh, yeah. I feel like I eventually know. they're going to have an app on your phone, like a facial recognition deal, yeah. except it's going to be for, like, antlers, and you just snap a picture, and it tells you how big it is. Like, snap a picture of four different angles. Um, I, I've thought the same thing. I'm like, I wonder if someone could make an app that does facial recognition on deer, and not necessarily, like, the eyes and the nose, but on, like, an on a rack and so when you're yeah when you're getting your trail camera pictures you just throw them into the app on your computer and it already categorizes the picture yeah. like this is big text or you know whatever yeah whatever deers you ha deer you have labeled on there i think yeah i think we're gonna That's see a lot of really cool technology um coming out what what about the other types of hunting that you do like or even fishing i know you had mentioned fishing um are you like a walleye pike musky kind of guy or a bass guy i'm i'm more of a bass guy i mean i'm like your average joe fisherman i mean i try and take it seriously but it never goes seriously especially <laughs> if i fish with my wife um because she catches all the fish and she i don't try and be mean when i say it to her but i i tell her the bait she uses are dumb baits like they don't make sense on what she's catching and here i am like you know look doing all this research like oh what are the bass like in this time of year this and that and she like we go up to hayward a lot uh if you know where that is in wisconsin yeah yeah she we always go up there me and the wife usually every year and uh she was using a uh crankbait that looked like a crawdad and we were in uh i can't even think of the flowage but it's off nelson lake up there and She's casting it. She's catching perch that are like this big on that thing. And I'm like, that don't make any sense. Like, and 
you know, because the bait's way bigger than they are, and it's for bass, really. Yeah. And then she caught a northern on it, and I'm like, okay, what what is going on here? And here I am trying my hardest just to catch one dang fish, <laughs> and none of them want to, because I kind of religiously use, like, uh, Berkeley power worms or uh, the crawdad version of them. Yep. Like, that's what I like using, and, like, the cranberry marshes and whatnot i fish around here like it works great for that but up there i can't catch a dang thing so i i'm more of a bass guy but i'll catch anything that will bite i mean and when i'm ice fishing i would rather catch stuff on tip-ups because it's like more action i guess yeah i i mean i could i like jigging you know and whatnot but it's there's something about when the flag goes up and you and your buddies are running at it see who gets to it first kind of thing and I mean, sometimes it's just little, little tiny dink northern, but I mean, it's it's just the fun of it, I guess. Yeah. No, but, I like any type of fishing. I mean, I am not an avid fisherman. I enjoy getting out, like in the in the summer or whatever. You go yeah. get a line wet and just kind of hang out on the shore. But I I definitely miss getting out on the boat and going after walleye and pike up in Wisconsin. Like there, once you get into them, it's so yeah. much fun. And even up in Canada, like we used to go up there and fish and holy cow, man, like every time you could just be trolling and every time you drop your line down to like 17, 18 feet on a certain point, it just gets hit immediately. And I'm definitely not a patient fisherman though. Like (laughs) if I'm not catching anything, I'm like, all right, I'm done with this. I'm going to go do something else. Or like I always have a rifle or a shotgun and a coyote call with me. And so I go straight <laughs> from fishing to coyote hunting um, or even crow hunting. We talked about that a little bit before the show. You said yeah. you're going to get into crow hunting. Um, what are you, what are you hoping for on that? Just, okay. It's really to satisfy, satisfy the whole duck hunting itch I have. Yeah. Cause like being the first year we duck hunted, like it was awesome. Like shooting something that's flying, you know, it's a whole different, spectrum of hunting like that i didn't think i would get into but i hunted the first time for ducks and it was like stupid cool like it was just in- insane yeah. so like crow hunt you know it's the whole satisfy that itch at you know practicing pretty much shooting at on flying and just to kind of do it because we have so many crows on our property that during bow season i like i'm like you know every year i'm like i'm gonna come after you guys like you guys better start watching <laughs> out. and then i just never do it and this year it kind of like i got some uh silhouette crow decoys yeah and i looked at uh mojo for you know a mojo crow decoy you know to add some action oh yeah and i I seen it and i was like dude i i could really change my uh blue wing teal decoy i could i could i think i can rig something up that'll look like a crow right and uh so i started doing that and i asked the wife i was like you got any like old black shirts or something like that? She goes, why? I was like, well, I just, I'm just wondering, you know, cause she doesn't think my ideas are really that great. And when they happen, <laughs> she goes, see, I told you. Yeah. So she gave me the shirt. I started cutting it up and she goes, why are you cutting it? We could, you could have wore that like when you go in the woods or something, you know, in the summer taking care of stuff. I'm like, well, you'll see, you know, and I, I have zip ties all over the place in the house. My middle kid, he grabbed a zip tie and zip tied it onto his finger in less than two seconds. And he's four. And he, he kind of knows not to do that, but it's yeah. like, dude. And it, it was like seconds he did that. Well, I I got it all put together, and I got to admit, it looks really legit, but it's very weird looking. It doesn't 
It looks like a crow. It could fool them, I think. But you, know, like you said, crows are really smart. Yeah. So I'm not sure, but if it does work, I'm like, you know, I just saved another fifty bucks. You know, yeah. kind of thing. Like, but well, you know, I've, I, I've heard a ton of different things about crow hunting, and I had never really been interested in it. And then I went to this predator seminar at the Missouri Department of Conservation, one of their uh, management properties. And so we went, we were listening and they started talking about crow hunting and they're like, dude, if you have not gotten into crow hunting and you love any other type of hunting, like you have got to do it. It's so much fun. Like it helps out. Um, they, they went over all the different damage they do. And I'm like, I never really thought about it, but okay, sure. We'll go with it. And, uh, he, he said, one thing that you do is you can put out crow, like clip on decoys just on the ground or like on stakes and then you you can do like a hawk or an owl on a tree branch like up above them somewhere yeah and you can play you can play calls like on an electronic call you could even do just like a hoot owl and the crows will come in because i'm sure you've seen them like a hawk's flying and they're just like dive bombing it just pestering it the whole time and they're like they just hate hawks and owls and stuff well then he brought out like a fox pro or it was some type of an electronic call and put out a couple clip-ons out on the ground, put an owl up in the tree, and we all hid underneath this pavilion. I mean, it's just like a mowed field <laughs> outside of this building, and we're hanging out underneath this pavilion by the picnic tables, and he hits that call and starts doing a crow sequence on it. And I'm telling you, like 30 seconds, there were probably a half a dozen crows flying over us, and hey. I'm like, this is so cool. And then yeah. he proceeds to tell us, don't ever shoot the first one, because it's like a scout. They come in, they'll look around, make sure the coast is clear, and then they start calling to the other crows. And he's like, so if you shoot the first one, you might as well pack it up. You're not going to shoot another one. He's like, but if you let that one come in, you might have five or six in a row come in, land, and then you can like jump shoot them kind of like you would ducks off a pond. And so, yeah, I'm hoping to do it. I did shoot, I think I shot two crows this year, and it was just like during duck hunting. I mean, crows were in season, and they kept flying over, and finally I was like, if one of these comes close enough, I'm going to blast it, and I did. It was pretty sweet. Um, (laughs) I just, I think that would be kind of a fun, or like in the the meantime type of hunt when other seasons aren't necessarily going on. Yeah, that's that's kind of my thought process, too. You know, I just anything to fill that time till like deer season or turkey season or even duck season comes back, it's like just keep filling the time so it doesn't seem like such such a long period of waiting oh yeah absolutely it's it's kind of coming to that point in the year where everything's kind of like fading out today was our last day of duck season we went out this morning we shot two gadwall um didn't think we were going to because the forecast said like 60 degrees is a high today no clouds in the sky no wind i mean the water was glass i thought it was going to be frozen when we got there but it was wide open, complete glass. I mean, not a ripple on it. And I'm like, dang it. Well, I brought my coyote call and, and a rifle out in the truck with us. And I was like, listen, if this fails, we're just going to go coyote hunt, you know. And so we set these decoys out on the water. Again, no movement. I mean, they're just like stale <laughs> decoys. We didn't have a blind out. We just sat under a couple trees. And, man, I don't know, maybe like 15 minutes into the morning, I look up. And there's three birds flying and (laughs) all of a sudden they cup up and I'm like, guys, birds, birds. And they drop in and they don't drop in at our decoys. They drop in on the far end of the pond. So we couldn't actually like shoot them where they, where they landed or even on the approach. 
And so I was like, just hold on, you know, maybe we get more birds to come in now that we've got uh, real birds on the water. And then I look and you can see like the V of wake behind them. And they're all three just swimming like fast towards us. I mean, they're, they're not like <laughs> going slow and feeding. They're just on a line right to us. And so we just waited like a minute. They swam all the way over to like 30 yards and I'm like, get ready guys. We're going to jump shoot these. And we all stand <laughs> up and just start blasting. We ended up getting two out of the three of them. And I was like, all right, awesome. well, it's always a good day hunting where we do if you don't get skunked like any bird oh, yeah. is a success and i'm totally happy ending the last day of the season with actually getting to pull the trigger on a duck so that was fun oh and check this out i just got a new shotgun i am so pumped about it i uh i've always used an old winchester 20 gauge it's like a winchester ranger 20 gauge pump i think i switched to a I switched over to a Stoger M3500 for like two years, but then I always yeah. would go back to my 20 gauge. I just like shooting them. And this gun doesn't accept a choke. Um, I've shot like growing up, it was my deer gun. Like I would shoot slugs <laughs> out of this thing and like never had its second barrel or anything for it. Um, I grew up shooting slugs out of it, which I don't recommend if anybody's listening to this and they think they can just shoot <laughs> slugs out of their gun. Just make sure you read the owner's manual first. Um, but yeah, we went to Bass Pro the other day in between a couple stops, and my wife did a TikTok, and she's like, all right, uh, I'm, my husband gets a yes day or something like that. And I yeah, was like, I, I seen that. I was going to ask you about what gun you got, man. Dude, I looked over, and I was like, a yes day? What does that even mean? And she's like, it's a yes day. Like, the answer is yes to anything. And I was like, is this just a TikTok trend, or are you being serious <laughs> right now? And she's like, well, I mean, we'll see. And we go into Bass Pro, and I had been looking at several shotguns. I've been watching YouTube reviews on shotguns, side-by-side uh, -side comparisons between, like, the Browning Maxis II, the Benelli Super Black Eagle III, um, the Benelli, what is it, M2, I think, um, then the Winchester SX4, even the Stogers. I was looking at a Stoger 3020. I think that's what it is. Stoker 3020. That's like a 20 gauge, three inch. Yeah. And then a TriStar. And so I'm like looking at all these like hot, super high end, super low end, just trying to figure out what gun is out there. And I really liked the Browning Maxis too, but we get to Bass Pro. They only have them in 12 gauge and I really wanted a 20. And so I'm like, <laughs> dang. So I start picking up guns, like just cycling the bolt, feeling how it shoulders, pulling it up, getting the line of sight. And there was just nothing that compared with the Benelli Super Black Eagle 3. I mean, it was like night and day difference on all of them. And so that's what I walked out with. And it was kind Damn. of funny seeing the look on people's faces because there were other people at the gun counter. And I'm just like, oh, yeah, can I check that one out? Can I check that one out? Can I check that one out? And I don't have like a ton of money. You know, I'm not like just <laughs> loaded and can just blow money on whatever. Um, yeah. But... I've been wanting a new shotgun for a long time and I've intentionally not bought any other guns for a while just so I could get one. And so the lady's like handing me different guns and I was like, yep, I'm going to take that one. And I just see like a couple heads turn towards me like, oh, you're just going to buy a brand new Benelli like on a whim. And I'm yeah. like, wow, this feels really good. I'd like to do this more often. <laughs> yeah. And uh, yeah, yeah it's, been, it's been, it's been, fun man i went out the very first time i i put it together 
um, the day after I bought it. So I had like podcast recordings that night, had a bunch of stuff going on. So I didn't even really get to play with it or like check it out, assemble it. Uh, so the next day I did and I went out um, coyote hunting with my buddy. This would have been last, this past Thursday. And we went up to my buddy's house, sat in the woods and coyote hunting changed as soon as I started hunting in the woods. Like, dude, I will, I mean, I'm not going to say I'll never hunt over a field again, but if I have an option between like dense woods or a field, I'm going in the woods. It is so high energy, fast paced. And we get out there and we start calling and I hear my buddy, he's to the right of me and he goes, Hey, we got one coming on the right. And I just like look over and here's this coyote skirting in. I mean, it's like 40 <laughs> yards away. And I'm thinking, I'm waiting for him. Like I'm looking out of the corner of my eye, waiting for him to lift his gun up. And he's not. And so I'm like, I guess that means I'm shooting this thing. And I pull up, boom, shoot it with like number three buckshot and just drop it. And I was like, oh, yeah, like I'm one for (laughs) one. I'm 100% with the shotgun. This is amazing. And he's like, there you go. Now I'm going to shoot the next one because your gun's broken. (laughs) You don't need to shoot anymore. Um, But, yeah, anyways, super pumped about it. I've I've loved shooting it. And I'm really excited to get out and do some uh, skeet shooting with it and see how it performs. Cause the ducks today that we kicked up off the pond are the only like moving or like flying thing that I've shot with it so far. <laughs> so maybe this Thursday I'll get the, uh, clay launcher out and we'll shoot some. That's awesome. Yeah. What a kind of jealous <laughs> dude. It is. I'm telling you, man, <laughs> it, it's a game changer. It really is. Like I shouldered that and then I shouldered the Winchester SX four and uh even my wife like she doesn't really shoot guns but i was like hey you just have to try this and she's like no i believe you just get whichever one you want and i'm like no 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 just feel the difference and yeah. like even picking up the sx4 versus the um super black eagle it was like pounds different it felt like and then like cycling the bolt back pulling it back it was probably like one fifth of the pressure it felt like it took to pull the sbe back um, Damn. And the SX4. I, it's it's super sweet and it's very weird to shoulder. I mean, like just putting it on a sling on my shoulder. Yeah. It feels like a Nerf gun. Like it's so light. Damn. And my even my other shotguns at 20 gauge, but like side by side, I need to just do a weight comparison so that I I'm not throwing out all these numbers that are exaggerated. <laughs> but like yeah. I need to just put them both on a scale and see exactly how much they weigh. But anyways, yeah, I would highly recommend it. I. And I told myself, you know, I'll have this gun forever. Like my son will grow up shooting it. It's a 20 gauge. And I'm the type of guy that I think you can shoot just about anything with a 20 gauge that you can with a 12. Uh, Aside from if you're like snow goose hunting, oh man, you want a 12 gauge with three and a half. But I don't do that. Like I will, I want to, but I just don't currently. So yeah, same here. Yeah, we'll see what happens. Now, I think all that I have left to get is an AR, and then I'll have basically all the guns that I really want. That's awesome. Yeah. Sorry, all the guns that I need. All the guns that I want. Yeah, there's way more. Um, Yeah, I know the feeling, man. Trust me. Yeah. Well, dude, I really appreciate you hopping on the call with me. Um, It was awesome to finally get to connect and, like, have a conversation that wasn't typing on a phone. Um, yeah, we'll have to get together sometime. I'm planning, uh, I'm planning on going up to Wisconsin a couple times this year. I always come up for uh gun deer season in November, 
and right. sometimes I'll make a trip up there in the summer, but I'll let you know when I'm around and, and we'll have to All get right, together definitely, and maybe Dude, we can yeah, get together I, with it. I really appreciate it, man. This is, this was awesome. Yeah. It Not really was. Lie, like, why, why don't you, before we sign off, share with the listeners how they can find you? Like where can they find your content? Where can they follow along? Um, so if you were on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube, we're really, I mean, we're up to date on Instagram. Like we post every day, like that's where you can find like up to date stuff on what we're doing while we're hunting, if we were successful or not, or what we're, you know, where we're fishing, um, you know, whatnot. Facebook, we're really trying to like stay on it. So then they can keep up with us. Cause we're growing on both platforms, which is just phenomenal. I mean, we didn't think we were going to grow that quick, I guess. So it, it, it's just awesome. And, uh, it's Oak tree dreams in, on Instagram. I think you'll see, I, yeah, our, the profile picture on there is, me, Jarrett, and Zach's face standing holding some sheds. I think that's still what it is. Nice. Uh, Facebook, it just has the Oak Tree Dreams logo. And then on YouTube, just look up Oak Tree Dreams. And I'm pretty sure it's the same picture as Instagram with us three guys standing there. Okay. Dude, that's awesome, man. Yeah, I would encourage everybody to go check it out. Like, you're posting awesome content, a lot of cool pictures. Um, do you – did you do any videoing at all for your big buck? Or uh, was it just pictures at the end? Uh, we did video it. Well, technically we videoed the recovery cause we okay. wanted at least something to, you know, share with our YouTube followers. Cause we're trying to really try and get that to grow now Yeah, because we, we thought that would grow a little faster on Instagram, but it, it didn't. So uh, yeah, we have the recovery video of that on our YouTube and we have Jared actually self-filmed his hunt and he has the whole thing on film and we, it, it, he did it, I guess. I, that's I'm awesome. Kinda, I'm surprised because he was just by himself and me and my brother couldn't do it when, you know, we had all the time in the world, <laughs> I guess, all day to keep, keep ready, I guess. Yeah. But yeah. And, uh, there's, will be other stuff going on our YouTube. Uh, we've tried really hard to get, uh, duck hunting videos, but it's really hard to film when you both want to shoot and your cameraman can't <laughs> come back he's in college. Yep. So that, that kind of put a damper on it. And every time we filmed, he tried to bring his GoPro, his GoPro, um, didn't connect or something i guess he said or there's something going on with it so we missed like some really cool shots and he has my old video camera so he can film his hunts i'm using the wife's camera right now that is a little more advanced than i would like i guess but yeah that we have a lot of cool stuff on our youtube but like i said instagram we definitely keep up to date on that a lot more and um we anyone messages us we'll message back right away i kind of take care of a lot of that Cause Jared, he doesn't, he doesn't know what to say a lot of the time, I guess Yeah. with a lot of the posts. So I just kind of just take care of it. My wife helps me out. So nice. Yeah. Well, dude, I appreciate it. Um, like I said, we'll stay in touch and we'll have to connect in person, uh, here in Definitely. the near future. And that is going to wrap it up for today's show. I hope you guys enjoyed that one. Cause I had a great time chatting with Andrew. And when you're talking about America's Dairyland, the great state of Wisconsin, how can you not have fun? I, I can't wait to get back up there and hunt. I always love hunting my home state. I love chasing after new things there, meeting up with new people. And so hopefully Andrew and I can get on a hunt here soon together. I think that would be amazing. And I've had a ton of fun 
I should have said, I've had a blast with my new shotgun. Get it? You hear the pun there? Anyways, I've gone out on several hunts with it, had great success, and it's been amazing. Um, I can't wait to get it out on more hunts and, and see what it produces for me. But you guys should be out shed hunting right now. If you're listening to this, I hope it's because you've got your headphones in as you're walking through the woods, finding some big sheds. I know it's kind of the lull in the outdoorsman's life right now, aside from shed hunting and doing like a postseason report to see who who made it on your hit list or what your trail cameras are still producing. But there are still opportunities to be outside, so hopefully you guys are getting out and doing a few of those things and you're preparing for turkey season. It's coming up. I'm getting more and more excited. I trash talk turkey hunting a lot, but I really do find myself, every time I talk to another hunter, getting more and more excited about turkeys. So that's coming up soon, but until next time, always choose adventure and God bless.